Empowering you with strategies to succeed. This is Jen Tringale, and you're listening to the Jen Tringale Podcast. My name is David Warren, and joining us today is a woman who is beautiful both on the outside and the inside, and I am honored to get the chance to interview her this time on the program, as she is a very close friend of Lynn and Kathy Minx. So they're out of town, and I get the pleasure of interviewing (laughs) Jen Tringale. Welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on today. Well, thank you. Um, You know, we were swapping notes about how big of fans we are of Lynn and Kathy. Yes. How did you meet them? I met them when I was 14 years old, actually, and it was the wildest thing because I met their daughter, Carrie, first who would wind up becoming my lifelong best friend. She's just been the best friend, the kind of friend everybody should get to have, you know. And so I was a church kid and had just kind of gone through some cattiness in my teen years dealing with, you know, girls. And and I was like, God, just I just need a good friend. Just send me a good friend. This girl came into youth group brand new one night. And it was just one of those things where we kind of spotted each other across the room and went, I feel like we would be buddies. And so we became fast friends. And so we would see each other every week at youth group. One night we walked out and both of our parents were standing there talking. Of course, her parents were Lynn and Kathy Mink. My parents were standing there and they were talking like fast friends. And we just kind of looked at each other. Turned out my dad was their insurance agent at the time. I didn't know it. And then come to find out that when Lynn was in television in Cincinnati was the same time that my grandmother had a radio show. And she had a talk show and celebrities and dignitaries would fly into Cincinnati and they would do the Nick Clooney show, the Lynn Mink show, and then they'd go across the street to the Omni Netherland Hotel and do my grandmother's radio show. What was the name of that program? It was called The Girl on the Go. Just an amazing opportunity that really just fell in her lap. And so when Lynn was in television, in broadcasting, was when my grandmother, you know, was in the midst of that. And they were fast friends. Lynn was like her fill-in guest when people would cancel or flights would get canceled um, and back and forth. And so it was the wildest thing. So there's Carrie and I standing there. And our families were already connected two generations back. I'll never forget that moment just kind of going, okay, what is going on, you know? So that's how I met them. I mean, just so many summers. uh, I just have memories of going on the road with them, you know, doing meetings. And Carrie and I would work the product table. And I didn't realize then, you know, I thought I was just on a fun summer trip with my best friend. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how God was really using that to prepare me for what he had called me to. I keep thinking about your grandmother's radio program. Of course, I love radio. Yeah. Girl on the go. Yeah. Is she living now? She is. She is 86 years old. It was a huge success. I mean, they had her, you know, stuff going on city buses all over the city, and it was a really big deal. And what's grandma's name? Billy Mae Burkhart. 
Billy May. Billy that May. That is Southern. Isn't it, though? So have you explained to Grandma Billy May yeah. what a podcast is? Because you have your own podcast, which is kind of like radio. It is. It's sort of like the modern day radio. You know, it's really interesting that you would bring this up because just the other day I was thinking about how God does things through families and generational lines. My grandmother always said, you know, she interviewed Ronald Reagan. She interviewed Wayne Newton, you know, all those kind of stars of the 60s and 70s, Zsa Zsa Gabor. And of course, the radio show would be over, and then she would wind up ministering to them out of the little bit she knew of the Lord. And she always told me, she said, honey, I just, I wish I would have known then what I know now, because I feel like I could have done so much more, you know, for the Lord. And I think about that with that podcast because it is sort of like modern day radio. You know, I spend most of my time traveling around the country speaking in churches and conferences. But that podcast, I think last month in one month, the listenership hit 60,000 and was in over 35 countries. And I thought, you know how long it would have taken me to get to 35 countries? Mm -hmm. But that podcast went there and it is sort of like picking up that mantle that my grandmother had. Maybe I've got a little bit more light and understanding because of all that's been put inside of me. If you just tuned in, Jen Tringale is our guest today and she's a well-known speaker and author. And She's got a new book out on Whitaker House called Calling. And really what your grandmother did in her own field, not Christian radio, just secular radio, and then yeah. after the program was over, she had entree into these famous people's lives of then being able to, in her own sweet, soft way, minister to them yeah. the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this whole book's about. It's so true. It's so true. And I, I think... Um, She's always been a hero of mine because she did so much. And it wasn't like she went, you know, I just want to be famous. How could I get about that? In fact, I told her the other day, I said, we call her Mammal. I said, Mammal, if social media would have existed when you had your radio show, it would have been huge. You know, I mean, she just did that back in the day when people hopefully turned their radio on and hopefully turned it to the dial, you know, of, of your show. <laughs> yes. And so... um but now you can take a medium like radio and put it on a platform of social media and right. pull people back. You know, back then she didn't have that. And um, But she told me, she said, you know, I would sit and, and let people tell their stories, all these celebrities. And then she said, I would always ask them, where do you think your talent came from? She said, because I knew eventually they would wind up saying it was just God given. Mm -hmm. I was I was born with it. And then she would say, and why do you think God gave you that ability? And that's where that interview would go to such a deep level. Um, and I love that because now I get to talk to my grandmother and say, do you realize that that was and is a call that God placed on your life? That was your God-given gift. And somehow just what looked like out of necessity – God gave you a platform, you know, to reach thousands, no doubt, you know, tens of thousands at that time. I can see it in your eyes as you talk about this. This is moving you. That calling from your grandmother obviously 
at least skipped a generation. Did your mother pick up that calling, Jean Tringale? Yeah, my mom and then uh, her sister, Jennifer, who I'm named after, um, they both just sort of picked up my grandmother's just ability, I think, with people. She just always had a real ease with people because she was genuinely interested in people. You know, it wasn't a put on in my my aunt and my mother certainly had that. My mother's own multiple businesses. They both had their hands in marketing and public relations for many years uh, and both found ways to use their platforms, you know, because they are believers to do so many things. In fact, my my aunt Jennifer started out in musical theater and was really like making some serious ground. She was a singer and an actress. Then she wound up getting an offer from RCA Records. And, you know, her life kind of took a different turn. She wound up in the full-time ministry for a while, but today has kind of returned back to that original calling. And she has a, a drama theater company in Northern Kentucky where she trains up. It's a kid's theater. And so kids come and learn the arts And it's a safe environment for them because, you know, the theater world can be a lot of different things. And so in this day and age, and if you want to put your kids in that, you really Mm -hmm. want a safe place. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, she had years in children's ministry in the local church. And now she's getting to combine the arts and what she knows of the Lord and help these kids hone their gifts in a safe place. It's pretty awesome. If people listen to your podcast or read your books or watch you on YouTube, they're going to pick up a central theme, which is the word destiny. In reading your book, you ask yourself these questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And what does God have for me? Yeah. And so for the past many years, God has been revealing the answers to you. But now your calling, to borrow the name of your book, yeah. is to help others answer these same questions. How often do you travel, yeah. Jen? I travel a lot, more than probably what I'm supposed to from what multiple people tell me. I'm kind of learning that balance of knowing when you need to rest you know, and when you need to go. But um, I stepped, I've been in the full-time ministry for 21 years now. I stepped into traveling full-time, itinerating, you know, whatever you want to call it, about eight years ago. And, uh, you know, at the time, I was like, this is crazy. This is not a good way to make it in the world. You know, I didn't grow up in a minister's home. Um, on day one of going this direction, nobody was asking me to come anywhere and say anything. And uh, But the Lord had dealt with me, and he said, I've given you a mandate I want you to run with. And that was very simple. And he said, I want you to awaken destiny. And he said, sometimes I'll have you do it, awaken destiny in a person. Sometimes it'll be to speak to the destiny upon a church or an organization Sometimes it'll be to awaken destiny on a city, a state, even a nation. Um, And that was really that original sort of bedrock clarion call, so to speak, that the Lord gave me. And so it's just really been amazing how the Lord has just put me in the right place at the right time to speak what I hope is a word in due season that wouldn't just be, you know, another message, but would awaken some of that destiny seed of God and a person for them to go, I almost forgot there's a big picture. 
I like that you said, I almost forgot, because I imagine that you speak to a lot of people and churches as a whole and organizations as a whole where people feel like in their life currently, they're just going through the motions. Yeah. Well, and I think it's easy to do, don't you think, in our culture? I mean, it's it's so fast-paced. It's so busy. There's so many demands put on us. You know, I think even if you just look at you know, you used to at least have downtime when you were driving in your car, maybe, you know, where things could settle and the Lord could kind of grab your heart, and pull you back to the big picture. But now because of smartphones and being connected literally all the time, um, it's like everything is always demanding your attention in the right now. Uh, it's hard to think about what you need to do next week, mm-hmm. let alone what am I here to do? And so what I have found is you have to be more purposeful about that. You have to feed the sense of eternity in you. If you don't feed that sense of eternity and why am I here, if you don't feed that kind of uh, vision thinking and, and vision seeing, everything in life is always pulling us to the immediate. And so that's one of the things in everything I've ever written, really any message God gives me, you know, anything we put out on social media or YouTube, I just want to be a moment for somebody to go, I almost forgot. That's right. I am here for a purpose bigger than myself. And what is that? And then I want everything that's demanding my attention today to somehow you know, fuel that. And part of that, and I think this is what I really, my heart burns with, part of that is releasing people, believers, from the concept that anything that is eternity-driven or God-breathed has to happen within the four walls of the local church. And sort of getting back to what I call God's original intent. You know, the concept of original intent is so cool, and it basically states that when this intention was uttered, it was uttered on purpose. It will never need anything taken away or added to it, no matter what time it is spoken into. So, for instance, when our founding fathers wrote the Constitution— They had original intent attached to that, that this is truth enough by itself. You don't have to alter it. Well, the word of God is that way. God's plan and his purpose has original intent in it. And God's original intent for believers was to go into the world and to be who they were and let God infuse whatever abilities he had given them and that through that, God was going to expand his kingdom. And I think somehow, maybe somewhere in there, we maybe strayed away in our thinking from original intent. And we strayed away and sort of went, well, now, no, if we're going to do anything of eternity, then it's got to happen in the four walls of a church. And don't get me wrong. Or on a mission trip. Or on a mission trip. Yeah, something overtly Christian from start to finish. Planned, pre-planned. Yes, very, very pre-planned. Yes. And organized and t-shirts and, you know, (laughs) um, all of that. Um, But what I love is, and I am so grateful 
for the local church. I was raised in the local church. I'm such a believer in the local church. But the local church is not the place to platform our gifts. The church is where we come to become all that God called us to be. The church is where I go to get equipped. But God's big idea, God's dream was not the equipping. That's just the entrance into God saying, go into the world, and and I don't want you to stop until the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. So for us to just go, well, God wants to do something with my life, and somehow I've just got to make it up on that church platform, you know, for God to use me. No, the church platform is one of the most contained places of influence, in our city. Thank God for that church platform. But if you're called to a church platform, then the way I describe it is you're predominantly then called to be an equipper. Thank God for that. But the majority of believers are not called to be equippers. They are called to be agents of change. And that happens in every part of our culture, in every part of our world. And I believe that is what God is breathing on in the body of Christ right now. You eat, sleep, dream this, don't you? I really do. I mean, I could, there's not a lot that could get me excited enough to miss a meal or go without food, but I could literally talk about this all throughout the day because it just burns on the inside of me. You know, I had the opportunity not too long ago to meet your dad for the first time, hero of faith. And I remember growing up singing songs that he wrote and songs that are just like doctrine. They stick in you. And the other day I was thinking about that. One of those doctrinal songs the church has sung for years when the saints go marching in. Mm -hmm. And David, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Right now, I believe the sound we're hearing is God saying, saints go marching in. But that was never about marching into heaven. That was always about marching into the world and saying, we know the one who made you, and let me take you to him. I have watched a lot of your YouTube clips, and I jotted down some of your one-liners that really Uh made an impact on my life. One is, church, we're here to take over. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, when Jesus made that infamous statement to Peter— when he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And, you know, Peter went through all the people say you're this people. And then he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. That was a monumental moment that Jesus decided to take to make a huge announcement. And he said, Peter, you've answered right. And he said, upon this rock, in other words, upon this revelation, Peter, of not just who I am, but who I am in you, I'm going to build my church. But when Jesus said that to Peter, he did not say the word church. He said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. And when he said the word ecclesia, everybody within the sound of his voice knew exactly who the ecclesia was. That wasn't a Christian word. It wasn't a Jewish word. It wasn't a church word. That was a common culture word, because the ecclesia was this elect group of people. And at that time, you know, the Romans were dominating. They were the superpower. They were the military superpower. And they were dominating the known world. And so what would happen is the Roman military would move in to a territory, 
and they would annihilate their army. And as the Roman military would pull out, the Roman ecclesia would move in. And the Roman ecclesia was made up of families. They were made up of retired military, but the ecclesia was also made up of artisans, purposefully. They were made up of educators. They were made up of judges. They were made up of blacksmiths. Everything it would take to have a culture was represented. And they didn't just move in for a day. The ecclesia would move into that new territory to stay. And so the reason those Romans were so smart, and they borrowed it from the Greeks, this concept, so they would move in and they would help that newly conquered territory rebuild life. But now when they rebuilt the schools, they would introduce all Roman ways of educating. As the artisans would begin to create, they would use all Roman ways of thinking in their creativity. And the songs they wrote, they infused Roman ways of thinking. They would rebuild the judicial system, but now it would be through Roman ways of judging. And in a small amount of time, this is so cool, those people of that conquer territory would totally have forgotten their old way of life. And not by imposing, but by influence, the Romans would have totally turned the lifestyles of those people into all Roman ways of living because they believed they would be better for it. And this was the concept that the head of the church, the head of the ecclesia said, upon this revelation, Peter, of who I am and who I am in you, I am building my ecclesia. So when Jesus said that, he was not picturing Sunday morning at 10 a.m. He was picturing all these callings. He was picturing radio personalities. He was picturing every part of culture you could think of. And he was saying, I am going to have my influential army in the earth to bring about a better way, a new way of living. If you created a resume, of course, you're in the ministry now. You don't really need one. But if you had a resume, what are some of your past types of employment that you've had? So, um, you know, my both of my parents were entrepreneurs growing up. And so when your parents, as you well know, are in a business. You start in that business. You start in that business. Absolutely. I stayed in that business. You did. And we're so glad you did. We call it a ministry. Yes, very much, very much. That's reached hundreds of thousands. Really amazing. Um, And I think you would probably agree to this. There's something that's just wired in your brain when you grow up with parents that are business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, but they're sort of a family business. You kind of grow up understanding this thing of ownership. And you're never just an employee, whatever you do. You kind of grow up with this thing of ownership where you don't just come in going, well, this is my job and I just do this. You come in with the sense of like, whatever it takes to keep this ship moving, that's what I need to do. In fact, I had the chance to speak to the business school at Syracuse University and just talk to them about how your background prepares you for things. And of course, I infused your God-given destiny will prepare you for things that maybe college can't even prepare you for. But when time and destiny meet, you know, as believers, we know that as a Kairos moment, 
When time and destiny meet, all of a sudden, destiny pulls things out of you. Sometimes you didn't even know was there. I read a quote that you said that really made an impact on my life. The most spiritual thing you do happens Monday through Friday. Yeah. And I think of people listening to this program, many during their lunch hour, and they're not excited about their break ending and going back inside and doing right. what they do Monday through Friday. What yeah. advice do you have for yeah. these people? Well, and that's a really good point because I think that's common, you know, and really any of us, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. There is just the minutia of life that you are not going to escape, you know, um, And so whether you are working a nine to five job that you're going, what am I doing? Or you know, you feel like what you're doing is because God somehow got you there, but you're just kind of caught in just the everyday junk that nobody gets excited about. What I always tell people, because I had to develop this myself, is I tell people every day we all have a choice to stop and ask ourselves the question, am I living for a purpose greater than myself? And what is that purpose? Number one. And then number two, the question to ask is, why do I do the things I do? And who am I doing them for? Those two questions, you cannot escape the sense of eternity in big picture when you make yourself answer those two questions, because they're going to pull you back to one of two things. Number one, they're either going to pull you back to the realization, what I'm doing right now is not the thing that I feel like I'm here on earth to do. And we all hit that point. I can remember, actually, I was in the ministry, quote unquote, I was working in a staff position. And I remember driving to my office one day and it hit me, I feel like I'm doing this with my eyes closed. I don't feel like I'm hitting on all cylinders. And, you know, I had friends that would have killed to be able to... Have your position. Yeah, just be in the ministry, get a paycheck from a church, you know. But I just felt like I was asleep. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, what you've been doing is a good thing, but it is no longer the thing that I have made you for. And if you're going to do the thing, then it's going to require that you get out of the boat. See, I think a lot of people come to get out of the boat moments, which are so scary and take 100% faith. And they look at it and they talk about it and they ponder it and they consider it back and forth for a day, a week, a month, a year. Next thing you know, it's five years. You're still standing on the edge of the boat going, man, that's probably the thing out there, but I don't know how that works and I don't understand how I'm going to make a living out of that. And so they just stay in the boat. But when your moment comes where you're either going to get out of the boat or not, this is the moment of destiny that draws the line in the sand for everybody. And I say this all the time, destiny is not for the faint at heart. I mean, destiny, it doesn't matter what you're called to do. It's going to require moments you're going to come to where, David, literally everything is going to be on the line for you. And you're going to go, this is a sink or swim moment. Like, this is either God and I'm about to step into the thing he's called me to, or it's not, and it's not going to be pretty, you know, on the other side. And the difference is those line in the sand moments 
where you just step out in faith or not. No one is living a life of destiny that is not requiring it to be totally by faith. Even still today, everything I do is totally by faith. Where you're currently placed, no matter what it looks like, somehow, some way, God will use to prepare you for the thing. And he has a long stretch of reputation of this. You know, Jen, can we speed up our destinies? Can we speed them up? I don't think we can speed them up. I mean, we can try and jump into things that we hold in our heart before it's time and really make a mess. Um, I think we can drag our feet and then God has to make up, you know, for some time. But, you know, Paul said it best. He said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Notice he didn't say I press toward the prize. He said, I press toward the mark. So a good way to say it is what is the mark for today? Do a good job today. Do a good job today. Press toward that. When I was a youth pastor, pressing toward the mark was not, man, I need to get ready to write a book someday. Pressing toward the mark was, I need to be a good youth pastor today. I need to be a good friend. I need to be a good staff person. I need to be a good supporter. And in doing that, that was preparing me for the thing that God had called me to. We've talked already on today's program about how everything is speeding up, and we have all these increased social media platforms that we keep on joining. And yeah. it, it, it's, it, sometimes it's just too much. Yeah. And yet God is in the moments. Oh, he is. When we stop and recognize what's right in front of us. Yeah, he really is. And, you know, those are still, I think, some of the best. I think about getting on the elevator with somebody. Oh, and instead of thinking yeah. about, okay, I need to da, 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 when I get in my apartment or home or wherever, yeah, be in that moment. It can really be a moment. It's so true. There's there's those moments like that, the moments of destiny, I think, are what really make up a life of destiny. You know, um, there are big moments that come to make a big impact. Thank God for those. But when I sit down with somebody who's lived a good stretch of destiny and I start talking to him. Yeah, you always want to hear about the big moments, but usually what comes out of them is like I, this one time I got on an elevator with somebody and I just felt like God wanted me to say whatever and turned out, you know, they just buried their husband or they had just been through this, you know, I mean, even still, I can be on my way to go preach somewhere, or speak at a college or speak at a conference and Lo and behold, you know, God will put somebody in the chair next to me. And I'm thinking, Lord, I just want to rest. You know, I don't I don't really want to, but I just can't get away from it. And a conversation will unfold that winds up being something I couldn't have made happen in a hundred years. You know, but when we walk away, I know me and that person are never going to forget that moment. I think those moments are so saturated with eternity, probably more so than we even realize, and they're a big deal to God. All right. This is not fair to my guest, Jen Trengel, which this just means we have to have a part two, but the new book's called Calling, Understanding Your Purpose, Place, and Position at Wherever Books Are Sold on Whitaker House, jentrengale.com, J-E-N-T-R-I-N-G-A-L-E.com. Lots of goodies on there. Yeah. For Jen Trengale, I'm David Warren, and it's been 
another, and soon to be yet another, great show. <laughs>